Welcome to The Well Podcast. We pray that this message ministers to you and blesses you as you listen. Well, this morning I wanted to touch a minute on revival. And I say revival like it's singular, but it's... Um, Maybe started someplace, but it spread like fire. But if you're not familiar with it, Asbury University down in Wilmore, Kentucky, had what, what you could call a very normal service for them. They're a university that had a chapel service. Um, it's available online. You can go watch it. It's rather unexciting. Nothing special happened. Nothing dramatic happened during the service, but a couple of hungry people just lingered in his presence, and that's turned into 12 days. 12 days. Of a lot of high school and college folks desperately seeking the Lord authentically seeking the Lord. The auditorium where it's held, I read, holds 1,700 people. And it has been packed for days. People lined up outside, and I think someone said this morning, like 36 hours wait to get in. Isn't that crazy? Well, what an amazing thing it would be if every church had a line outside of it to get in. And so I wanted to share a couple of things I found, what people were saying who had been there and shared. And this is from, uh, I assume it's a lady, Kelly Levens. She says, the main takeaway from Asper Revival is this. There's a piano player, a guitar player, and a single drum. Hard chairs, an ugly interior, and the lights don't dim. No one serving donuts, not a single smoke machine, no fancy lights, no timers, no perfect productions, no leader or teams, no hierarchy or competition, no kids class, nobody greets you in the parking lot, literally no structure whatsoever. Apparently, the only thing needed to attract people to God is God. Why have we made it so complicated? An altar and a sacrifice, Jesus. Let's give him back his house. Just worship him and see what happens. Truly worship, not just stand up and sing a song. Praise him. He inhabits the praises of his people. And so what started in Asbury spawned a number of other places to engage in just an open time of worship. And I heard at one point there was more than two dozen locations that they had seen 
where people were just gathering to worship. And I found a list of 18, I won't read them all. But I'll just say on this list, maybe the, the furthest one away is Israel and Uganda. And so there was fire leaping from dry tinder to dry tinder. And over in Kalamazoo, there's Radiant Church, City Center Kalamazoo, where uh, someone went and they left this. It says, most of you have probably heard about the revival in Asbury, Kentucky. Small fires of revival have been popping up here and there as well. Less than two miles from me, Radiant Church, City Center, Kalamazoo, Michigan, has been worshiping nonstop since Thursday morning. And this was Saturday afternoon when they posted it. I visited them that night and again today. I asked God, what do we do now? How do we leave this place with your presence so thick and heavy? How many times have we felt this and not stayed to let it grow? Literally not lingered with you so that one hour service cannot bloom. May we repent with our actions. So to say it's opening eyes is an understatement. To say that it's maybe changing lives is obvious. But I guess as I think about this and what weighs heavy on my heart is what happens at the other side of this. Because the university has already said that, that their mandate, their goal, is to send people out. And so they've designated an end time. And they've made the objective of that to not let it focus on their university, that campus, that auditorium, that gathering place. But they want it to become more than that. They want that fired Asbury to spread. And so I can't help but question, are we doing the right thing? What do we need to do here? What do we need to do to receive the fire that's in Asbury? If these teenagers were to walk in today or these college students were to walk in today, would they find a place where the fire would light? Would they find a place where they could come in and add to what's already here? And I believe they can in this house. But it bothers me that up the street that might not be true. And if you've been in church any time at all, you've probably been to some of these places that like clockwork, it's an hour, start to finish, start to finish. It's an hour. We got three songs, we got four minutes for announcements, we got a 26-minute message, 18 minutes in the altar, and we're done. And it operates like a machine, a cold, heartless machine. And I can't imagine that's what God wants. Now, do we got it all figured out? Do we do everything perfectly here? <laughs> Absolutely not. And it might look like it. Come and volunteer, you'll see different. Show up half hour early, you'll see different. Stay a little late, you'll see different. 
And not that there's anything wrong necessarily with what we're doing. We've got to grow into this. We've got to be obedient to the call of God on this house. We've got to be obedient to the direction that he has set for this house. But we can't compromise with comfort and convenience. And so I worry as this spreads, as people are sent out, where they'll, where they'll land. Because I know they'll be tested. You see, because when I think about what's happening in Asbury, I think about the Israelites coming out of, the, out of Egypt. Because I imagine Asbury, there's one uh, student, um, I think his name is Gage. I know he's, he's got a video online, and he talks about how he looked to the left and he saw one thing, and he looked to the right and he saw one thing, and he looked behind him and he saw another thing. And it was all this God moving all the way around him. And I can't but help imagine him being in the midst of the Red Sea as the walls of water standing on either side of him, as he sees the glory and the majesty of God holding the waters back, as he stands there and he sees ministry happening on his left and lives changed on his right and someone giving their heart to God behind him. But I know the Israelites, when they come up out of the water, it was three days. That's how long they lasted. It's three days. Before their hearts started to harden again. Before they started to grumble and moan and complain. Three days. And at that point, they were at a spring, and the water was bitter. God told Moses, Moses moved, and the water was sweet again. But a month later, they were tested again, and again, they fell short. So what do we need to do to prepare a place? What should be on our heart to prepare a place that when the test comes, that we can pass it? That looks a lot like laying your life down. It looks a lot in, inconvenient. It looks like a lot of giving of yourself. Because we've seen revivals before. They've come and they've gone, but where are all the people? Where are the thousands or maybe millions of people that were at Brownsville? Have those fires all gone out? Probably not all. There's always a remnant. There's always embers that remain. There's always little fires. God will make sure the fire never goes out, but it doesn't blaze with his glory in a place where it's not welcome. So we, gotta, we have to be able to welcome him in. We've got to create a place where his spirit can move, where we're not so structured and rigid that things have to happen a certain way that doesn't leave space for God to move. And you know what? That might become uncomfortable. When someone runs around here like a crazy person, when someone leaps and shouts for joy, When someone's singing their own song in the back, 
we'll just let the Spirit move. But what we need out of Asbury, what we need out of this next generation, are the Joshua's and Caleb's. Because when they get to that test, and they have to look at what God has promised, they have to look into the promised land. Are they going to see the giants, or are they going to see the glory that's there? Are they going to see the milk and honey and the grapes the size of basketballs? Or are they just going to see the giants in fear crossing over into it? Because we can, we can look, and I was going to give you scripture, but I didn't think it would be fair to give you Exodus 14 to Numbers 14. That's a lot. And I didn't want to read all that. But that's the bookends. That's the bookends, and that's two years into their journey. That's two years into the wilderness. And I look at that, and I look at this generational thing that's happening right now. And I go, Lord, don't let us fail these people. Let us be good hosts of the fire from heaven. Let us not only welcome the Caleb and the Jacobs, let us invite them in. Let us, let us call that generation in to say you can see the promised land from here. We've got a great viewpoint. And we need you. I mean, if you think about it, that generation of people from high school to college, it's probably some of the toughest years of their life have been these last four or five years. I mean, you think about all these people were likely in school at some point in that and had to be sent home into an absolute wilderness of their education, most of them. Things, coming-of-age events were stolen. There were people that didn't have senior proms or had it a year after they graduated. They didn't, they didn't get to have their yearbook signed by all their friends because they were already spread. So to see this generation come together and just worship the Lord, I can't help but think that all of that might have just been a setup to draw them in to do like he did with Pharaoh and harden their heart in his season so that when he broke it and he tenderized it and he made it soft, that they would welcome his presence. So we need that generation. We need the Caleb's. We need those that will declare, surely we can take the land and trust in the Lord and in his promise. And what Moses was to them, Jesus is to us now. Because us, like the Israelites, are free. Free to live, free to worship, free to pursue God. And like them, we're invited into his presence.
But are we going to be like them and turn away? Are we going to press into the uncomfortable, supernatural, unexplainable presence of the Lord? I hope we press in. I hope when the testing comes that we press in. I hope when the trials come that we press in. I hope that when the predators come and the sheep want to be scattered, they press in. So stand with me. I'll close. Hmm. So as I think about this, I see a lot of us standing on the shores of the Red Sea, watching the Israelites, this generation, walk through in the midst of what God is doing, something amazing he's unfolding, allowing them to be right in the heart of it, right in the middle of it. And as they come out, we're hearing the testimonies of it was unbelievable. It was awesome. How do you explain it? I can't. There was so much love. There was people laying down their lives. There's an outpouring of generosity and compassion. Purely organic, nothing contrived. It was just the pure, authentic love of God pouring and washing over them. So the question is, what shall we do? And I say we need to examine our heart. Not how we feel, but what we believe. Do we really believe that God is the most important thing in our life? Do we really believe it? Do our actions show that God is the most important thing in our life? Do we pursue him despite the inconvenience and the uncomfortableness? Is he more important than fishing, vacation? Is he more important than ball games? More important than our schedule? Is he more important than our friends and family? Is he? And I'm not saying that's an easy question to answer. It's not. Because it's somewhere in all of those things, we've got to show love to our family. We've got to show love to our neighbors. I'm not saying any of those things are bad things. But if you have to choose and God is interrupting your schedule, do you let him?
Have we left the old man behind? The old world behind? Are we still hanging on to it? when the testing comes, do we receive it with joy? Knowing that God is growing us through that adversity, he's growing us through that trial? Or is it met with the grumbling and complaining? The word says God has prepared good works for us to do. Are we doing them? Have we died so much in our life that we can give that to God and allow him to do in our life what he pleases to? I know his ways are not my ways. I'd mess it up for sure. But are our hearts such that when things don't go our way, that we can still thank God for it? some level through all of this, God has to be first. Has to be first. He has to be first. So that's a question we need to really examine our heart, examine our lives. Is he really first? Is he first when it's convenient? Is he first except when? And what's it mean to lay down your life? What's it mean to die to yourself? How good are you at it? And I don't mean it with condemnation. I don't mean it with conviction. Just saying if you're already juggling more than you can handle, where does God fit in? And maybe it's time to lay some of that stuff down. Maybe it's time to put a little room in your schedule that you can pray and seek the Lord. Maybe it's time to to get eyes from heaven to see that path and the works he has before you that he's laid out in front of you. There is a greater life before you. Ken said it earlier, we never plateau. Never plateau. Never feel like you've arrived because as soon as you think you got it all together, God's got more for you. He wants more for you. He wants the most for you. So how we host that generation in this house is one thing. How you host them in your walk is a different thing.
Are you going to be carriers of the fire? Are you going to let it burn within you? Are you going to try to keep it controlled? Are you going to be orange hot for the Lord or a smoldering ash? So Lord, this morning, this afternoon, whatever it is, Lord, we see your hand moving. We see lives being changed. We see an outpouring we of your We want to thank spirit. you for listening in today. At The Will, we believe in cultivating a culture for more of God. Wherever you are in your relationship and walk with God, we believe that there is always more for those who diligently seek after Him. If you would like to find out more, please check out our website at thewellmichigan.com and connect with us on social media.